The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. And on this week's episode, we will be doing our monthly end-of-the-month mailbag podcast where i answer your questions from twitter and the sole topic here will be uh questions that were pertaining to my update of the top 400 prospect rankings that went up on the site uh, tuesday afternoon uh i really appreciate everyone uh reaching out and and um you know supporting uh, my work on those it's it's uh really feels feels great to, to have that many people checking those out and waiting for those. And uh, I know a lot of you were, were itching for those to get released. Uh, I wanted to wait really as long as I could uh, to release those uh, this year because we're still dealing with, with such small samples on, on these guys. And, uh, you know, I like to react, but I like to try to eliminate as many uh, overreactions or underreactions as possible and so waiting until around memorial day uh, seemed like the way to go on those and it also allowed for a lot of the guy basically anyone who uh, opened the year in the big leagues and did not get sent down uh, has graduated at this point so uh, that was a nice uh, aspect of waiting as well uh, the etas uh, have been fully updated there the team top 20s will be updated uh, probably tomorrow. And then tomorrow I'll also be releasing an article version of this podcast where I basically just kind of uh, write out my answers to to all these questions, post it as an article. I know a lot of you uh, enjoyed that uh, format uh, last month, so I'll keep doing that going forward. Uh, all right, the first uh, topic here had several questions about why Royce Lewis is up at number two overall. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised that this was such a uh, controversial rank uh, for for a few people. Uh, I don't really, I don't necessarily understand the the backlash, but I'll kind of walk you through what I like about Royce Lewis. Uh, he is a five category guy, one hundred percent. Like his bat speed is off the charts. Uh, I think he certainly showed that in a very brief taste of the big leagues. His speed is a game changer on offense and on defense. He can play every position in the field. Uh, 
But really, it what it boils down to is this is a guy that we hadn't seen play in games since 2019 in the Arizona Fall League. And so he was just a, an impossible rank coming into this year uh, after missing all last season with injury, after missing 2020 with the pandemic. Like from a tool standpoint, Royce Lewis is a top 10 prospect, uh, you know, from just power, speed, proximity, like that all adds up to top 10 easy. And then it just kind of comes down to like, what was he going to do with the bat in terms of hitting for average? He's always been this guy that has sort of tweaked his leg kick uh, that he uses as a timing mechanism. And that's led to some, some, um, some poor showings, I guess, in terms of a number one overall pick uh in the middle minors and so it just was really up in the air as to what Royce Lewis would do this year after missing all that time I could have easily seen him go out and and really scuffle uh maybe strike out a bunch and uh, take a few weeks or a few months even to to kind of get on track uh but that's not what he did at all if if you told me before the season that Royce Lewis was going to perform like he did uh from a hit tool standpoint at AAA and then get called up to the majors and like him even getting called up to the majors uh, in the first half of the season was a long shot for me coming into the season. I thought the twins would, I didn't think he'd be forcing the issue. Uh, I just thought he would need to, to knock off some rust, but uh, he forced the issue and was excellent when he was up. And uh, he's really quieted down that, that leg kick that that was sort of something he'd been working on. And you could just really tell that Royce Lewis Uh, did everything in his power when he was not playing in official games to make himself a better baseball player. And so to me, he's just a a no questions asked uh, top five prospect, uh, probably honestly closer to number one than to number five for me. Uh, I don't think you can uh, understate how impressive it is for any hitter to go from AAA to the big leagues and do what he did. both in terms of hitting for average, hitting for power, not striking out, uh, just a very hard um, level jump to make, especially given his lack of uh, recent experience. So I think Royce Lewis is uh, that was one that I have I'm extremely confident in. And um, so, yeah, uh, props to anyone that has Royce Lewis in a dynasty. Uh, also had a bunch of or not a bunch. I had a few questions about uh, why Gabriel Moreno dropped. Uh, this one, you know, I like, I like Gabriel Moreno a lot. Uh, I know that, uh, people sometimes, uh, look at real life rankings and I've got Gabriel Moreno and Francisco Alvarez, you know, just outside the top 50 and then some real life rankings there, top five, top 10, whatever. Uh, with Moreno, he has this really great hit tool, but I have concerns about the playing time in the short term. I really wanted them to to trade Alejandro Kirk or Danny Jansen uh, or even Moreno uh, at some point um, in the in the off season, maybe even in season, to really kind of clear up that logjam. Because the way I sort of see it, I just don't see Moreno playing enough. Like I, I don't I don't see him being this five day a week catcher uh, this year when he comes up, or even next year, barring some sort of trade. And I think given his lack of impact game power, you really want him playing uh, five, four or five days a week so that he can threaten 20 homers. Uh, Because if he's just getting, you know, if he's kind of playing as much as Jansen or Kirk play now, uh, yeah, I think you're looking at like 10 homers over a full season. 
uh, and I, you know, another sort of comparison I, I think of with Moreno is like, would you be disappointed if I told you Moreno was just going to be Kyber Ruiz 2.0 uh, with less playing time? Because like, I think that he and, and Ruiz are extremely similar from both a hit tool and a power standpoint. So I've got him ranked just outside the top 50. I think you could make a case for him 20 spots higher. Uh, especially if I, if I was just ranking based on just pure talent and um, not factoring in projected playing time, he probably would be 15 spots higher. But uh, that's the reason for that one. He's, he hasn't done anything where I'm just like, oh, I'm, I'm lower on Moreno now. It's just kind of looking at that situation, trying to figure out where you're getting the playing time, uh, especially at a position like catcher. Uh, also had several questions about Miguel Vargas's ETA uh, with the Dodgers. Uh, he's probably big league ready right now. Uh, Long term, I think he's going to be very similar to the guy he's going to replace in Justin Turner, uh, where he hits for a really high batting average, gets you 20 plus homers and hopefully stays healthier than Justin Turner. Uh, but I don't have any sort of obvious like this is how Vargas gets gets the call and this is how he slots in uh probably would have to take like a serious injury to someone ahead of him i mean i don't i don't see the dodgers just taking playing time away from max muncie uh given how productive he's been for them the plate skills seem to still be there for muncie and he he obviously was a deal with an injury in the offseason uh you know, I, I don't I think the worst thing you could do is, is start taking playing time away from like Gavin Lux, uh, just kind of given where he's at developmentally. Um, you know, they have some underperforming guys. You know, are they going to take playing time away from Cody Bellinger to give it to Miguel Vargas? Uh, I don't I don't really see any of those happening. So uh, they the, the nice thing about being the Dodgers when you just have this much in terms of big league talent, minor league talent at every level of the minors, every position in the minors is you don't have to rush guys. You can really take your time and it's, it's going to be frustrating for uh, people that have Vargas in, in dynasty leagues, but uh, we might not see him before September. If we do see him this year before September, I would guess it's, it's due to a player being injured ahead of him with an injury. That's going to take more than a week or two uh, to recover from. Uh, but Vargas is just a, a great uh, long-term prospect. Uh, I had someone else ask, if I like Vargas as a hitter more than Tristan Casas, the answer is yes. Very uh, definitively yes on that. Uh, Bob May wants to know what I'm doing right now on Josh Lowe. Uh, do I see him back in the majors anytime soon? And has my outlook changed on Josh Lowe? Uh, I do have some concerns emerging, uh, and it was always a possibility, but I, I think you have to look at Josh Lowe and be a little concerned that maybe he's a quad A guy. Uh, he will be back up uh, and he'll probably go back down and they'll be back up again and they'll go back down. Like I could see him just being up and down all summer uh, whenever they just need a, a fresh guy. If someone's dealing with a nagging injury, uh, but it's just uh, it's, it's a little concerning that the, the strikeout rate has just stayed flat uh, for him. Uh, I think it's, it's a tough thing for him to solve in season uh, with just really getting the, the swing and miss in check. And, and some of it is he's, like he he has a an okay eye uh like he he's he's a patient hitter as well so like some of the strikeouts are just from him being patient and and getting deep into account but uh i do think you got to 
be a little concerned at this point. Uh, there's some some concerning indicators with Josh Lowe. Stealing Goof Troop Valor wants to know if the power ever develops for Austin Martin. And if I'm bullish, what's the ultimate power upside? Uh, and if bearish, what does the overall ceiling look like without much power? Uh, I do not like I've Austin Martin ranked uh, just inside my top 50 and I do not think there's a ton of power coming. So I am bullish on everything else. Like I think Martin is, he's one of the more unusual prospects uh, I can remember ranking. I think he's kind of like an eight to 15 Homer guy. Uh, but the way I would sort of frame his uh, fantasy upside is like, and this is sort of a, if it all breaks right type of thing, but Imagine if Tommy Edmond was an elite OBP guy who was going to lead off uh, basically his whole career. Like that's kind of what I see Martin's upside being Uh, again, not giving you crazy power, uh, probably not giving you many, if any 20 Homer seasons, uh, but hitting, you know, 265, 275, uh, stealing 20 plus bases, scoring 100 plus runs in his peak years, uh, qualifying at several positions, maybe. Uh, I think that's all within range for Martin. He's just got such a uh, incredible uh, bat to ball ability mixed with aggression and success on the bases and an ability to work the count, too. Like, it's just he's really, really good at a few things that are very important. And he's not so good at other things that are very important, like hitting for power. But I think the things he's good at outweigh the things he's not great at. J.H. Schroeder wants to know, how many of these guys should be rostered in auto new 5 by 5 leagues? Where's the cutoff? Uh, I think prospects 1 through 13 should all be rostered. Uh, I do think that – so like, I'll give you an idea of some tiers uh, when I was kind of working on this. To me, uh, Corbin Carroll, Royce Lewis, Riley Green, Jordan Walker, Jordan Lawler, that's kind of a tier, uh, the top five. And then Adley Rutschman, Shane Boz, C.J. Abrams, Robert Hassel, Miguel Vargas, Grayson Rodriguez, Alec Thomas, Mackenzie Gore. Uh, that's maybe another tier. So that's one through 13. Uh, all those guys should be rostered. Even the guys who have no chance of coming up this year, I think they're good enough long-term prospects that in auto new, I would, I would be happy keeping them uh, for, for multiple years before they're up. Uh, but then you also have guys like George Kirby, Nick Lodolo, MJ Melendez, Caleb Killian, <clears throat> Cal Mitchell, who just got the call. Like those are all guys that I would consider in an auto new league uh, because of uh, their proximity to the big leagues and the the now value that they can provide. Uh, coworker DJ Trainer uh, snuck this question in. Um, I think he maybe just wanted to see if if I would actually read it on the podcast. But uh, looks like Brennan Davis, Luis Matos, and uh, Kobe Mayo all dipped in this set of rankings. Those three guys plus George Valera and Taj Bradley. We're all sent away by you uh, in a trade for Mike Trout in a dynasty league recently. And he wants to know if I would have made that same trade a month ago or two months ago, uh, or if this was a case of me just uh, sort of reacting in the moment and telling those guys. Uh, I probably wouldn't have made this trade two months ago. And um, part of it is 
you know, I, I, I think there's, there's value in seeing sort of how good is your dynasty team that year? Like, does it look like you have a realistic chance of, uh, winning the league or at least cashing in the league? And even if you feel pretty good about your team preseason, I, I do kind of like to get in season a little bit and just sort of see where things go. Um, see if most of my guys are as, as good as I think they are. And, and if you know, I deal with any crazy injuries early on. Uh, so I don't really love making a push in the chips type of trade like that uh, right bef- even before the season starts. Uh, and I also just sort of wanted to see, um, you know, is Brennan Davis going to just kick the door down? Like what if Brennan, Dav- Brennan Davis, I thought coming into the year could have very easily had, the same type of start at AAA that Royce Lewis had, and he might be up already if that had been the case, but that wasn't the case at all. Uh, you know, maybe Luis Matos just destroys high A pitching and a return there, and like he's already up to double A and he's a clear top 10 prospect. Uh, maybe Kobe Mayo uh, just picks up where he left off at, at low A in the assignment to high A, and, and he's looking like just a, a cornerstone infield prospect. Uh, none of those things happened. Uh, those things could still happen in time, but, uh, being able to sort of rule out those crazy short-term scenarios for, for guys like that makes it easier to pull the trigger on that. I probably would have done this trade a month ago though. Uh, I think there was enough data on both sides of that equation for me to make that move a month ago. Um, Dan, asks a Usturi Ruiz question. He said that he seems like a very tough rank, uh, just given how good his numbers are at double A. Um, and it's just kind of like, you know, where do you put a guy like that? Uh, he is a extremely tough rank, Usturi Ruiz. I kind of going into this process, don't think I would have, I, I didn't expect to put him as high as I did put him. Uh, I put him just inside my top 80. He went from unranked to inside my top 80. I, I think like if you'd asked me just randomly on Twitter, like where do you think Ruiz is going to rank in the next update? I would have probably said like 120 or something like that. Uh, so uh, the more sort of digging in I did on him, I was pretty encouraged uh, by what I found. Uh, but I I think that's a fair, I think from unranked to top 80, for a guy who's repeating a level, who's been around forever, uh, we've got a lot of track record with Asturi Ruiz. I think that that's I think that's a fair like first step of of endorsement, and I really want to just sort of see uh, how he does at AAA. I assume we'll get to see him at AAA here uh, in June or July, and then sort of how he handles that, um, you know, change in pitching. I think will be uh, important for kind of figuring out where to where to slot Ruiz on the next update. Flunky has a few questions. He says, uh, "What's keeping Robert Hassel out of the top five for you?" Uh, Hassel is a top five caliber prospect to me. Uh, I think what what he is, tools, performance. I think it's it's top five caliber. Uh, but I also think that the guys I have ahead of him are really good too uh it's not it's not meant to be a slight on robert hassel that he's not top five uh once royce lewis riley green ed rutchman and shane boz graduate which i think all three or all four of those guys will graduate probably 
if not by my next update, uh, pretty close, uh, then I think you'll see Hassel top five if he kind of keeps doing what he's doing. Um, he wants to know if I'm officially worried about Anthony Volpe. Uh, I'm not worried about Volpe, but I, I don't think he's an elite prospect. I think he's a really good prospect. I just, I don't see, um, like he doesn't jump off, uh, when, when I watch video on him, he doesn't just really pop, uh, athletically, uh, or physically to me. I think he's, um, I think he's kind of like similar to, I've made this comparison before. I think he's kind of similar to like Gavin Lux, uh, when Gavin Lux was a prospect. Um, and, uh, he says, I'm probably the lowest on Zach Veen that he's seen, um, and wants to know why I have Veen ranked, uh, where I do. Uh, I think Veen is, Veen's fine. Um, I just, I'm not, I'm, I'm really not sure what he's going to be. Uh, I like sort of feeling comfortable in what I think a player is going to be. Um, and with Veen, you know, I, I, I don't think the speed's going to age well. Uh, stolen bases have been the thing he's maybe been the most prolific at in the lower levels of the minors. Uh, I don't think he's going to be more than like a 10 steel guy, uh, even early in his big league career. And then I have some concerns about the hit tool. Uh, Coors Field will be great for that, but I'd like to see him, uh, you know, if he, get, if he gets the push to double A and uh, it keeps the strikeout rate kind of where it is, I think that would be good to see. Um, but I'm not, I'm not sold on the hit tool with Veen. And then he's not getting to a ton of game power right now. Uh, I think the power is actually probably what I'm most confident in being there in his big league career. Uh, and the power is maybe what he's done the least in the minors. So it's just kind of a, you know, it's, it's sort of where, where's everything going to fall two years from now? <clears throat> Cause I, I see a scenario where he could be, uh, you know, maybe a guy that hits 25 homers with 10 steals and, thanks to Coors Field, hits like 275. Like, I think that's in play for Veen, but I I think he could also be a guy that doesn't hit any of those benchmarks. Um, and I have no faith in the Rockies getting the most out of Zach Veen. All right, let's head to a quick message from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Toolsy wants to know if I'm worried about Luis Matos. Um, I I was actually very happy to hear that Matos is dealing with a quad strain and not something more serious. I was glad to, to see that info before I released the rankings. Um, I, I think he'll be fine. Uh, and I don't think anything about his ceiling has changed, but I also think it's fair to move healthy performing players with similar risk reward uh equations past him right now i mean i i don't it's not like he was striking out a ton or something i I really think he just got off to a slow start but you know now he's not playing and uh probably unlikely that matos uh forces a promotion to double a anytime soon whereas i think there was a chance coming into the year that he could already be at double a so just a little behind schedule and then uh tools he also wanted to know uh what i think about jared kalanick at this point uh i'm really worried about kalanick uh so i've probably told plenty of you to accept kalanick trades in the past few weeks but yeah i mean he could turn it around but uh i i'm at the point with kalanick where i would take a really solid offer if, if one was out there uh dungeon master 28 said uh, Nick York is holding steady despite less than stellar superficial stats. Do you see something in the process the metrics to keep you confident in his bat? Uh, I, I think it's just with a lot of the, and lots of questions about, you know, you know, did you move this guy down too much? Cause he was struggling or, you know, are you worried about this guy? Uh, I, I try to look at each player individually Um and sort of just see where I'm at versus where I was at coming into the year. Uh, coming into the year, I think Nick York, or I thought Nick York was just a a really, really, really special hitting talent. I still believe that. I, you know, I've watched video. I did, didn't really see anything on tape or in the numbers that has me questioning anything about Nick York. I just think it's a slow start. I think guys are allowed to have 
uh, slow starts. Um, and I think you give those guys where, where you think it's just a slow start. I think it, why, why wouldn't you give those guys the benefit of the doubt? Um, like York to me, like on this update, like York, uh, Anthony Volpe, Brian Rocchio are some examples of guys where like the numbers don't match uh, my preseason expectations or, or your preseason expectations. But um, I don't really think much, if anything, has changed about those players. I think it's just a slow start. Uh, Neil uh, asks, do you think that Jackson Merrill could develop power? Uh, absolutely. Uh, power was part of what got him drafted in the first round last year. Uh, so he he has it. It's just a matter of him getting to it in games. And right now he's on the shelf with a wrist injury. Uh, but I, I think I think uh, Jackson Merrill will get to power. Uh, Brothers Judd uh, asks, uh, Bo Naylor seems to have fully recovered offensively. Is he good enough defensively to come up this year and to stay at catcher long term? Uh, I can't see Cleveland pushing Naylor up this year. He's not on the 40 man yet. Um, and it's just, you don't, you don't see teams rush catching prospects usually. Uh, so I think they'll add him to the 40 man in the off season when they have to. And I think he'll be up for a good chunk of next year. Uh, and he, I think he's a good enough catcher uh, and they're, depth chart is such that I think he retains catcher eligibility, even if it's not the only position he's playing, I think kind of like Dalton Varsho. And they're, they're not dissimilar players actually. Um, so if Naylor keeps doing what he's doing uh, over the rest of the season, maybe gets a bump to triple a, uh, he could be in the top 100 before the end of the year. Um, let's see. Uh, Sean Edward uh, asked, what do you like about Jordan Lawler to move him up so much? Um, I, man, I, I was expecting to move Lawler, you know, probably top 20 or so on this update. And the more video I watched on him, I just, uh, fell in love with, uh, his upside. And I think he's a number one overall prospect in the making. Uh, so good time to be a D-backs fan. You have the number one overall prospect now. In Corbin Carroll, uh, you might have the number one overall prospect this time next year in Jordan Lawler, and uh, you'll get another high pick in this year's draft. So uh, the Diamondbacks will not be without uh, high-end talent on the offensive side of things before too long. Uh, Lawler, I, when I was watching video of Lawler uh, before the draft, uh, I was like, I thought his physicality was a weakness, and he is just a man now um, really stood out um, for, you know, he's still got quick twitch. I think he's actually got a, a faster bat now than he did as a, as an amateur because of the, the good weight he's put on. Uh, but he's still just a, a freak athlete uh, on the bases in the field. I mean, he's uh, this is kind of what you hope to get in a prospect. And he's, it, it is a little out of character for me to put a, a player at single a, uh, this high. Uh, but I just think, uh, guys like this, you just want to jump, you want to jump on the train, uh, as, as fast as you can. Um, because I think he could just be really, really special. Uh, and then Sean also wanted to know, uh, Robert Hassel finished last year in high A and started this year in high A. Can he keep this up in double A? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think he could, 
be fine uh, once he gets the bump to to double A. Uh, main thing with Hassel is he's just he's got to cut down on the ground balls a little bit. But uh, I I really like Hassel. I definitely hope that people don't think I'm low on Hassel. Um, Nate Handy said. It feels pitching in general has taken a little bump in the right direction, uh, in the right direction. Um, obviously Nate was my guest a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's a big fan of pitching prospects. If this observation is correct, is that a philosophical shift or just the current lay of the land? Uh, I, you know, I was surprised myself, uh, that I ended up with three pitchers in the top 13, in Shane Boz, Grayson Rodriguez, and Mackenzie Gore. Um, I just don't really see an argument for not having those guys there. Uh, Boz is just big time. I think people maybe forget because he's been uh, not pitching in the majors yet this year. Like Boz versus Shane McClanahan was a legitimate debate before the season started from a just talent and and stuff standpoint. And so Boz is just an absolute stud. Just hope that he he can get healthy, stay healthy. Grayson Rodriguez is going to be up in the big leagues uh, in a matter of days, probably not even weeks. Uh, so I think he is he's just a, a finished product, just waiting for that call. And uh, Mackenzie Gore, I mean, I'll take a massive L, a capital L on Mackenzie Gore. Uh, I just I could not have foreseen him being as bad as he was last year uh to being this good against big league hitters um for basically the whole season uh gore's gonna graduate he's gonna lose his eligibility here in in uh, a week or two but uh having a pitcher this good in the big leagues already like that's that's top 15 caliber for me and um you know the the rest of the rankings did i put pitching higher than usual well i've only got 23 pitchers in my top 100 uh there's sort of a cluster like kirby lodolo spino uri perez gavin williams um kind of the, the next guys there inside the top 50 um but i think in general to, to answer nate's question i think it's really just i have my top three pitchers are higher than they, than I would like them to be. Like I, in a perfect world, I would have, uh, you know, I wouldn't even have a single pitching prospect in my top 10 in a perfect world. But, uh, I think those three are special enough. The fact that Boz and Gore are big league ready, uh, have had success in the big leagues. And the fact that Grace Rodriguez is big league ready. He's about to probably have success in the big leagues. I think that that justifies that, uh, John H uh, with with guys like uh, Joey Weimer and Matt McClain, how do you weigh power speed intrigue with the risk of high K rates? Uh, I think Matt McClain is I'm, I'm a little concerned that he's selling out for power a bit uh, because like you always want the hit tool to develop first uh, because for most of these guys like powers in there. And I knew that power was in there with McLean, but I didn't want him to be trying to hit a home run every time up at, at the dish. And now he's striking out too much. And I think he maybe fell in love with how much power he was getting to early in the season. So like if McLean 
had just kept the strikeouts in check, he'd probably be top 30 for me right now, even with half as many home runs as he's hit this far, thus far. I mean, the, the speed and the hit tool are the, sort of the main selling points of McLean with the expectation that he's a 15 to 20 homer guy. Um, so I'm, I'd like to see McLean um, adjust, kind of adjust back and, and maybe focus more on just putting, putting the ball in play with good swings and getting pitches he can, he can drive. But uh, I think he might be selling out a little bit right now. And uh, Weimer is, is such a tough guy to rank for me. Uh, he's such a freak tool shed and he just keeps producing so much that I just, I kind of want to keep him in the middle of the top 100 uh, while he just stays on this crazy level of production. I'm not, you know, I'm not sold in the hit tool. He might end up being a quad A guy. Like he we talked about Josh Lowe being a quad A guy. Uh, Weimer could easily be that. Uh, but there's no, like the amount of elite prospects is fewer than most people think. The, uh, the bust rate of guys between like 20 and 50 or even you know like 20 and 80 it's really high i think it's higher than people uh would estimate and so weimer could bust weimer could also just be a total fantasy monster uh so i just i'm kind of putting him i think i'm like around 60 uh that's knowing full well that he could amount to absolutely nothing i just think he has to be in that range while he's producing like this. Uh, Steve G uh, wants to know how I separate guys who are pop-ups who will stick as opposed to one year wonder pop-ups who flame out. Uh, and he, he mentions Anthony Volpe. You know, I don't, I don't think Volpe's <clears throat> flaming out uh, by any stretch. I think, you know, guys like Jordan Walker and uh, Jordan Lawler are just, they're, they're, they have more tool. They have more loud tools than Volpe does. Uh, so they passed him. Uh, you know, Robert Hassel is maybe has similar-ish tools, but he's been way better than Volpe. So so he passed him. Um, but I think in terms of like pop up guys this year, like a couple of guys sort of stand out to me that went from unranked to inside the top one hundred. Where I would, I would say that they are pop-up guys, even though I've had them ranked at, at times in the past, but just to go from unranked top 100, uh, Lennon Sosa with the White Sox and Jacob Bamaya with the Dodgers. Uh, they both just check a lot of boxes from just the, you know, the stats, but also the eye test. Like when I watched Sosa and Amaya, I think it, it, kind of aligns with uh how productive they've been this year just really explosive swings amaya uh has really um i I forget who had the report it might have even been jeff uh but someone at ba had uh i think it was jeff actually i had a report on him at ba talking about how he kind of uh optimized his uh launch angle and is just uh taking much better cuts and uh I just, I see it and they both have a combination of power production and, and low K rates, uh, at, you know, upper against upper level pitching that I I'm, I'm a believer in. So I think, um, you just kind of want, you want the person to be able to check all the boxes, uh, to kind of believe in the pop-up guys. Uh, like I don't really believe in 
uh, Moises Gomez, who's another guy that I have had ranked in the past, but uh, went from unranked to rank uh, because of his production at Double A. But like, I think Gomez is is the type of guy where I'm just not really a believer, um, at least yet, uh, because of the the strikeouts. Uh, Andrew Redding, a friend of the pod, uh, says, I'm thinking of trading Henry Davis, but I already have uh, Kybert Ruiz and Francisco Alvarez. I'm not sure I need another catcher. Uh, I would maybe just try to trade Alvarez for <laughs> Henry Davis. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of people would take Alvarez over Davis. I would take Davis over Alvarez. Um, but you definitely don't. I wouldn't want to have all, all three. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, when Forrest Whitley comes, and Andrew also want to know when Forrest Whitley comes back, do you think he still has the potential to be a top pitching prospect? Uh, totally. Like I, I could see a scenario where by uh, the end of August, Forrest Whitley is a top seventy-five prospect for me, or just off the rankings completely. He's in a very volatile spot right now. Um, almost kind of like a, well, this, I don't know, this is maybe not fair to Royce, but sort of a pitcher version of Royce Lewis where I just have no idea what Forrest Whitley's going to look like when he comes back. I could see him just shoving. I could see him not being able to throw a strike. And so he's kind of in limbo right now in, in the middle of the top 400. Uh, but I, wouldn't, I would not rule out Forrest Whitley um, really reestablishing his value. Ulysses wants to know uh, what my forecast is for Ken Waldachuk with the Yankees. Uh, he says maybe a number two starter. Uh, I I don't know if I'd go that high, but I, he's he's definitely a starter. Uh, he's trending up. I mean, I maybe even could have put him higher. I think I put him like around one fifty. Uh, but Waldachuk is is trending up, and I, I could see him being like a mid rotation guy. It's just the Yankees have all these guys. There's only so many spots in the rotation. So I think uh, like Hayden Wesneski gets a look before him. Um, you know, JP Sears is a guy that I, I have interest in, even in uh, redraft leagues right now. So they, they've got a lot of options in that rotation here coming in the coming years. Uh, Ulysses also said uh, back two years ago or so, I recall you liked Tariq Skubal the most of the big three in Detroit. Uh, what do you think a ceiling can be? Uh, I think you recall incorrectly. Uh, I have been, uh, I would say bearish on Scooble, uh, this whole time, if, if I'm remembering correctly. And so I kind of have this joke on the XM show with, with clay that I'm, I'm not going to take my L on Scooble until, uh, we get to the all-star break, but yeah, I mean, basically it was wrong about Tariq Scooble. Chef Lexvold, uh, ETA for Corbin Carroll, odds he debuts in 2022. I think we see Carroll break camp in the majors next year. Uh, I do not think we see him up this year. We might if the Diamondbacks were real contenders, uh, but I don't really think they are. So um, I, I just, you almost never see teams of the Diamondbacks caliber uh, start the clock on a, on a prospect like that. Um, Matt Mason would love to hear your thoughts on Jackson Churio with the Brewers. Uh, Churio um, is, you know, doing 
as much as you can do in a very small sample. Uh, I know he looked good in uh, extended spring training before getting assigned to, to single A, but uh, he's he's super tooled up. Um, could be a five category guy. Uh, just very tough guy to rank. Like I wish I had another hundred plate appearances of of Churio uh, before having to to slot him in, but. Uh, a good kind of bat back of the top 100 lottery ticket for sure. All right. Dawes Williams uh, wants to know if I am downgrading Brewers offensive prospects at this point. Seems like a terrible recent track record with uh, Weimer, the only bright spot. And he lists a lot of uh, <laughs> Brewers, Brewers hitting prospects who have not panned out. And he's wondering if that's why I'm not buying into Felix Valerio. Well, uh, I mean, I've had Valerio ranked uh, for a while, but in terms of this season, he's hitting 210, 276, 360 since April 15th. So I think this might be another case. It's not coming with the same strikeouts as McLean, but you'll recall Valerio had like three or four homers in the first week of the season. And I think he maybe fell in love with that a little bit too much and forgot about his bread and butter, which is just uh, putting the bat on the ball, hitting for a high average, uh, letting the power come when it comes. Um, so I, I think Valerio's performance basically uh, over the majority of the season is why I'm not really buying into him. But um, yeah, I think the Brewers, they, <laughs> There's no denying at this point that they have a bad track record when it comes to developing hitting prospects. I think with, uh, yeah, I think Garrett Mitchell, that might have just been a bad pick. Uh, I would, I would maybe put it more on the decision to take Garrett Mitchell than their developmental failures with him. Um, because he needed to have his swing overhauled when they took him, and so far he hasn't been able to overhaul it. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know if I'm quite to the point where I'm downgrading them. It's still like they're they're not a bad org. Uh, I I don't know. I think South Frelick is another one where it's like, is that going to end up looking like a great pick? Uh, I don't know. Um, Jackson Churio, his development, I think, could go a long way. Uh, and Joey Joey Weimer, as I said, like that's looking like a bright spot now. He could very easily um, end up busting. So uh, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, the, it's a it's definitely been a weakness to this point with the Brewers. <clears throat> uh, Paul asks, has the level of competition improved in AAA from last year? Uh, if a prospect is dominating in double A, is that more impressive than doing it at triple A? Uh, no, I, I think uh, the pitching at triple A is better right now than it was for most of last year. Uh, remember like last year uh, you had uh, pitchers who were building up after not pitching uh, for, for most of 2020. Uh, you had a lot of uh, injuries in the big leagues, forcing guys up. And then you just kind of had, um, diminished quality of guys there right now. So I, I think it's better at AAA right now than it was uh, for most of last year. Uh, but I would, and I'd still rather, I'd, I'd rather a hitter, assuming they're the same age, I'd rather them be dominating at AAA than at, at AA. Um, 
Buck wants to know uh, why Khalil Watson fell so significantly. Well, I don't want to make it just super simple, but like I thought he was going to strike out 20 to 24% of the time at low A, and he's striking out 40% of the time. So if you just told me that this is going to be what Khalil Watson did uh, before the season, I wouldn't have had him where I had him. Uh, so I don't know if that's my fault or Khalil Watson's fault, but uh, I was wrong about Khalil Watson uh, his first two months at, at single A. Uh, Fish Alaska, uh, Evan Carter, uh, floor, Grady Sizemore, ceiling, poor man's Mike Trout. Uh, you know, Evan Carter was another really tough rank because all of a sudden he's getting to power. And the whole idea with Evan Carter was that he was going to be kind of a, a leadoff hitter, speed, OBP type, where power was the weakest category. And, you know, I, I don't know how real this all is. But like I would, I would not be shocked if Evan Carter was a top twenty-five prospect at the end of the year. Uh, this next question is from uh, username with a bunch of letters. Uh, it's what is what is going on with Wilman Diaz and Gabriel Gonzalez? Uh, they're just waiting for complex ball to start. Uh, definitely nothing wrong with them. They weren't supposed to open uh, with a full season affiliate. Uh, Mark Lewis uh, asks, I have Michael Harris and Uri Perez in multiple NL only leagues in my minors. If all works out, what is the most realistic timetable for each to be promoted to the majors? Uh, realistic timetable for Harris and Perez is early next year. Um, if you really want to get crazy, uh, maybe Uri Perez is up this year if the Marlins really need him uh, in a push for the playoffs. Uh, like he is, he is that, uh, talented, um, and that much of sort of a, ahead of his peers phenom that that wouldn't shock me. Uh, the big part of that equation that might not add up is like the Marlins need to be competitive. Like those wins need to matter. Otherwise there's no reason to, to bring him up this year. Uh, the fair poll asks if Vaughn Brown is on my radar at all. Uh, yeah, he, he's on my radar, but he turns 24 in June and he's still at single A. Um, so he could join the rankings uh, if he mashes at high A, but even then I'd probably be in the back half of the rankings. Uh, Tony is surprised that Jay Allen did not move up. Uh, Jay Allen is basically kind of doing what I thought he'd do, not necessarily like across the board, but like this level of production uh, is sort of what I was hoping Jay Allen would do. Uh, the OBP is maybe ahead of where I thought it'd be. The power is not, is not quite where I would hope it would be. So I think it's just kind of been a, a passing grade for, for Jay Allen, a uh, very talented prospect uh, or Elvis Martinez. He wants to know like, you know, if it's just a matter of the blue Jays being too aggressive and promoting him too early uh, this is maybe sort of confirmation bias on Elvis Martinez. Like I just have always been uh, skeptical of the hit tool. So um, yes, he's very young for double a um, he could write the ship. Uh, but 
I think the Jays really know what they're doing when it comes to assigning guys. So I don't, I don't really think it's all on them being aggressive with his assignment. Um, I think there are some, some legitimate concerns about whether he's going to ever have better than like a fringe average hit tool. Uh, Paul McLaughlin uh, asks about Caleb Killian uh, and Connor Siebold. Siebold with the Red Sox, Killian with the Cubs. Uh, when do they make the show and how good are they? Uh, Siebold's more of a back-end guy, maybe swingman type, but he's out right now with a pectoral injury, so I don't know. I think you have to worry about him in the short term. Uh, Caleb Killian is great. I uh, love Killian. Uh, I think he... If I had to guess, I'd say Killian is up in June. Uh, he's really um, been the pitcher over his last like four starts or so that I was expecting uh, the velocities all the way back, I, I think. And uh, he's just been really effective. So I think the Cubs find a spot for Killian in the rotation uh, within the next month or so. Uh, Dr. Octagon Cards said, uh, glad to see Colt Keith made a jump onto the list. Curious to hear your thoughts on him. Uh, Colt Keith is playing second base and third base, uh, the Tigers high A affiliate, uh, really solid all around hitter. Uh, I think he's hit over power for now. Um, but he's, he's a big boy. He's six foot three, two fifteen. So I, I think he can be sort of a classic, uh, power hit third baseman uh if all goes well so yeah colt keith definitely trending up uh dandy chiggins what's the ultimate ceiling for brian bayo uh just saw him pitch and was very impressed um i think bayo could be you know maybe number two number three starter uh love his trajectory right now uh, he just keeps forcing the, the issue, forcing his way up the ladder. A uh, lot of good, a lot of good, uh, internet scouting going on, on, on Brian Bayo. Uh, lots of good video out there if you want to check him out. But I mean, I think, you know, he could be like a top 30, uh, starter for fantasy if, if it all comes together. Uh, Dandy Chickens also wanted to ask about Gunnar Henderson with the Orioles who made a huge leap uh wants to know sort of what his home run stolen base obp upside is um you know gunner henderson uh is i think it's a really fun uh comparison to compare uh gunner henderson and anthony volpe uh two ale shortstops uh henderson's third baseman but you know drafted as a shortstop uh basically the exact same age exact same level and Henderson is really just uh, dominating in all facets. Uh, I think what what really stands out to me about him is how easy he hits for power to all fields for his age. Uh, like his his home runs are just uh, monster shots, uh, no doubters, even to the opposite field. And then to be hitting for that type of power while also walking more than he's striking out i think it's just really exciting uh development for uh, henderson and a return to double a he's still very young for that level so i think he could be like uh i don't know like a third or fourth hitter for them long term who hits 30 plus bombs 
I think that's that's very realistic. I think he's the the stolen bases oversell what I think he'll do in the majors, though. Um, I know he's been running a bit at Double A, but he's he's pretty big. Uh, I don't think he's going to run a ton uh, in the majors. Uh, Dan, how does the quality of the top ten compare to the last few prospect classes? It feels a bit weak to me. Uh, it might be a tiny bit weak. Uh, you do have uh, Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt not on these rankings anymore. And so they were certainly stronger when those two are on there. Uh, you don't have Spencer Torkelson on there anymore. Uh, I don't even know if Torkelson would still be in my top 10 if he were still eligible, though. I, I think the the high-end talent is looks like a normal top 10 to me. It's just that not all of that talent is near the majors, you know, like you have Jordan Walker, he is at double a, but he's not going to be up till next year. Jordan Lawler. He's not even going to be up next year. I think he's probably more of a 2024 guy. Uh, Robert Hassel. He won't be up until probably next year. So I think that's maybe the main difference. Uh, and Corbin Carroll, I, I, I don't think he's up till next year. So I think it's the talent, just to, like how talented are these guys? I think that's kind of a normal top 10. But when you have four guys who aren't going to be up this year, that's a departure from the rankings coming into this year where it seemed like most guys uh, could debut in uh, 2022. Uh, Ross Redkay, uh, how much do you penalize penalize guys who are having a big year but are repeating the level so uh i think it just kind of comes down to expectations uh like for instance marco luciano is repeating high a uh i expected him to do well in a return to high a it would have been very concerning if luciano hadn't done well in a return to, to high a so i'm just kind of waiting for him to get the bump to double a and then, uh, like, look at Asturi Ruiz. Ruiz is repeating a level. But I had, like, I, I'm blown away by what Asturi Ruiz is doing in, in a repeat of Double A. Like, I just didn't even have him ranked coming into the year. So I think it just kind of comes down to expectations. Like, if if everyone was expecting this guy to do great in a repeat trip there, then it doesn't – it just kind of confirms that, right? Um Chris Mickler uh, was kind of commenting on uh, a conversation I had with Chris Welsh on uh, Prospects One, and he was saying, I, I personally kind of am on Welsh's side of, of the long-term view being more important uh, with big movement on some guys that were top 10 before. Like, if they had top 10 pedigree, they have skills worth waiting on. And the new guys need uh, to kind of prove it a bit more. Um, you know, I think uh, so. I think two guys that stand out to me as sort of this: these guys were top ten coming into the year. Why are they not top ten anymore? Like Brennan Davis and O'Neill Cruz. Um, you know, those guys. Uh, just I think there's enough red flags there. Uh, generally related to both of their hit tools uh, that I don't think you have to be patient on them. Um, like Miguel Vargas deserves to be a top 10 guy. Uh, Robert Hassel deserves to be a top 10 guy. 
CJ Abrams and Shane Boz were already t- top 10. Adley was already a top 10 guy. Um, I've covered, you know, Corbin Carroll. I think most people agree he's the number one prospect now. Riley Green was already there. Uh, so I guess maybe your three guys that you would take issue with might be like uh, Royce Lewis, Jordan Walker, Jordan Lawler. Um, like Lewis has superstar upside, has first round fantasy pick upside, and he's basically big league ready. Um, so I think that he's a no brainer. Uh, Jordan Walker. Uh, I just think it's so underappreciated how ridiculous it is for him to be as good as he's been at double a right now. Um, he's 20 years old and he looks like he's performing like he was some sort of top five college pick who is, you know, 23 and he's at double a or something like it. You're not supposed to be able to just hit the ground running like this as a 20 year old six, five slugging uh, either third baseman or right fielder. Uh, just very rare for him to, for a guy like that to, to have that much success. And then I covered Lawler. I just think Lawler has a better chance of being a superstar to me than Brendan Davis or O'Neill Cruz do. Uh, and they're very different uh, ends of the spectrum in terms of how close the big leagues they are. But I think that that, that kind of covers that. Um, Rex Rome, uh, how should we refine our processes with, Jazz Chisholm's improvements and the case struggles of better graded hit tools like Keston Hira and Jared Kalanick. Um, so my sort of thinking with jazz coming into the year, uh, like I did not have any jazz last year. Uh, I thought he was gonna, like, I thought jazz in the big leagues last year would be as bad as Jared Kalanick was in the big leagues last year. If not like, I mean, hard to be worse than Kalnick was in the big leagues last year, but um, you get my point. Like I, I thought jazz was going to be terrible in the big leagues last year. And then he would, you know, gradually improve and stuff. Uh, but jazz was quite uh, competent. I would say is, is a solid word for what he was in the big leagues last year. And that impressed the hell out of me uh, because he was just way sort of ahead of schedule and he was adapting to this increased level of competition uh, at a rate that you just don't typically see. Um, and so I, it just kind of opened my eyes on jazz. Uh, whereas with Keston Hira and Jared Kalnick, uh, when those guys struggled, they weren't, there was nobody thought those guys would be as bad as they were when they started struggling. Right. So um I think uh, that's maybe more of the lesson is just kind of we should evaluate these guys based on what was the what was a realistic expectation before they struggled. And if the real expect or realistic expectation was for them to have success um, and then they struggle as much as Jared Kelnick and Keston Hira did, uh, that's a bit of a red flag. Uh, but on the opposite end, like jazz, I think a real realistic expectation for jazz last year was for him to really struggle. And so by him not doing that, uh, that just really kind of, uh, made me want to load up on jazz. Uh, and I think that's, that kind of, uh, brings it back to like Royce Lewis a little bit too. 
Like, I don't think there were real expectations for Royce Lewis this year. I think I don't think anyone really knew what to expect. And so for him to be this good, it's just really kind of outrageous when you think about all the context involved, how much time he missed and how much he struggled in past seasons. Uh, Rex also wanted to know, um, I know it's a bit of a folly, but are there any uh, reliever prospects you consider close and of quality? Uh, I put Francisco Morales of the Phillies back on the rankings as a relief only prospect. I think uh, you look at like the Corey Canable contract. Uh, Morales could be getting saves for the Phillies as early as next year. So uh, there's there's one to keep in mind. Uh, he also wanted to know if I think more teams should be pursuing uh, the Brewers strategy of bringing uh, SPs up to the uh, big leagues through the bullpen for experience. Uh, I think it's, you know, team by team, you can do different things, but I think it's clearly paid off for the Brewers to do that. Uh, I think some teams, maybe if, if they're not having that much success, might want to consider doing that. Uh, I wonder maybe the Mariners should have just done that with Matt Brash in the first place. like if four bad starts in the big leagues was enough for you to move him to the triple a bullpen why not just break him in out of the big league bullpen and sort of see him uh, gain the experience in that role where it's not going to just each each mistake isn't really going to compound the way it did for him um and i think you'll see ethan small probably brought up that way for the brewers uh this year uh, Joel Wesseling uh, wants to know where Luis Garcia of the Nationals would fall on this list if he were eligible. Uh, he'd be around like 35, 40 overall, although he did just injure his hand. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Dave Reagan, uh, friend of the site, uh, contributor to the site, wants to know uh, how much hate mail I have received from the Yankees fans for dropping Jason Dominguez to 166. Uh, honestly, like zero, but it might be because I already have them muted or because they already have me unfollowed, unsubscribed, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, but no, I think, yeah, nobody's really, um, complained about where I've got Dominguez, uh, probably because I had him lower coming into the year and, uh, they can't really, uh, find any fault in that. Um, Mark Vogel wants to know if Corbin Carroll is on the J-Rod wit tier of prospects who you would uh, trade only for a King's ransom. Um, I don't, I don't think Carroll's as good of a prospect right now as Julio Rodriguez was coming into the year, but I do think he's as good of a prospect now as Bobby Witt was coming into the year. Um, so I don't know if that that works for the context there. But, yeah, I think if you're rebuilding, you should be trying to trade for Corbin Carroll. If you have Corbin Carroll, trading him now, like, it better win you your league uh, and give you pieces to to potentially win the league next year. Uh, Okay, and then I want to just kind of close it out with, uh, you know, I love love you guys. Um, You guys uh, really helped me by – uh, pointing out, um, you know, mistakes or potential errors that I might've made, um, and, or just bringing things to light. And so this is kind of like an ombudsman portion of the show. Uh, notorious DAD, uh, was wondering about Reginald Preciado of the Cubs. 
like if he really needed to fall as far as he did. And as soon as he sent me that, I was just like, oh shit, like there's no reason Preciado, like that was just a, a mistake. Like, I mean, if you, you're ranking 400 guys, uh, well, really like you're ranking like 500, 600 guys um, in a process like this, you know, you're going to, you're going to just make mistakes. Um, and I just knew right away, uh, Preciado shouldn't have been, I think I had him like around 290. Uh, I moved him up to around 190. Uh, so I just overreacted there. Um, so I, I took a bad rank of where Preciado was. And I gave it another bad rank by putting him down to 300. So I appreciate you uh, bringing that up. Notorious DAD. Um, Preciado has been uh, performing a little bit better uh, this month. And so I, I think it was just kind of a, like I'm, burying this guy um but i i i overburied him uh put it that way and then uh i just want to list off some prospects who people brought up as like this guy should be ranked um uh alejandro ozuna uh, outfielder with the rangers who's performing very well as a 19 year old in in uh, low a uh, i actually don't know much about ozuna but i he certainly has a statistical case to be in the top 400. Uh, Jordan Diaz, third baseman with the the A's. Um, he's always like the thing with, for me with Jordan Diaz is I've had him as like my best prospect available in like multiple dynasty startups. And I just always pass on him. So I took him off the top 400 coming into the year uh, just because like I, I, the, the stats always – were more impressive to me than whenever I'd watch him and just the raw tools. But yeah, I mean, you can't really argue with what Diaz is doing right now at double a. Uh, so I think there's, there's a case for him to be like in the top 300 or so. Uh, Blaze Alexander uh, with the Diamondbacks. Uh, I, I'm still not that impressed by the plate skills with Blaze and that's kind of always been his issue in the past. So, uh, you know, kind of borderline as to whether he should be on the top 400. Um and Manuel Valdez, uh, infielder with the Astros, putting up uh, monster numbers at Double A, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think you know he, he's a smaller guy, but he's got some juice in the bat. I think there's a decent case that Valdez should be ranked right now, uh, maybe even you know top two fifty, two seventy five, something like that. Uh, and then Ryan Ward, uh, outfielder with the Dodgers, a guy that I've had ranked in the past. Um, that system is just so crowded. It's, it's tough to know like which, cause they have at every level of the minors, the Dodgers have like four or five guys who are a little old for the level or putting up monster numbers. Uh, it's tough to, you know, decide which of those guys to, to rank and which ones not to, but I think there's, there's certainly a fine case for Ward to be again, kind of in that 250 to 350 range. Uh, so I appreciate, appreciate all those, uh, suggestions and everything. Um, yeah, keep them coming uh, for the next update. Uh, and like, I'm not gonna, not gonna bet a thousand. Not gonna come close to betting a thousand. So definitely, um, you know, hold me accountable. Uh, but don't, don't go overboard. Um, just hold me accountable when you when you really think it's it's something I might have missed. Um, all right, that'll do it. I uh, really appreciate everyone uh, tuning in. And like I said, the the ETAs are updated on the top 400. Uh, I'll be updating the team top 20s here um in a day or two and article is going to be going up uh tomorrow and then uh i'm going to take a 
you know, mini vacation for Memorial Day weekend, uh, go up to Door County, uh, chill in the backyard, do some grilling and stuff like that. But then, uh, then it'll be time to update the dynasty rankings. Uh, and that'll be, uh, a painstaking, uh, mission, but I'll get that done, uh, next week. Uh, talk to you guys, guys later. This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.